They may cut your dick in half and serve it to a pig. And though it hurts, you'll laugh and dance a dickless jig. But that's the way it goes. In war, you're shat upon. Though we die, la resistance lives on. Today, on Check Yourself, Closely Watch Trains. Welcome back to Check Yourself, the podcast where we talk about Czech films with bad pronunciation. Not that the films have bad pronunciation, I do. We have a returning guest today, Matthew. Welcome back. Hello, thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. So, Matthew, you've got some news uh, recently, some, some professional or artistic news. What's going on? Um, yeah, so I finally, uh, I finally uh, decided to to publish a book. It is, it is on my shelf where it has place of pride and, uh, that's, that's pretty exciting. And this is, this is an idea that you've been working on, on and off for, for some time, right? Yeah. I mean, I remember you and I, sat down a long time ago and we thought we were going to have kind of a crossover book. You'd write a book and I'd write a book and our characters would go into each other's worlds. And I don't know what happened, but uh, it kind of stuck with me. And I I kept writing it and writing it and writing it and rewriting it and changing settings. And, you know, 16 years later, I just thought enough's enough. (laughs) So I I finally uh, done my shelf. So it's kind of exciting. And, you know, I think it means something if the idea sticks with you for that long. It's probably a good idea. Um, Probably. So probably. What, what, do, you mind, do you mind saying what the book's about? Uh, yeah. Um, the book ended up being about um, some younger kids having an adventure in um, kind of secret underground passageways in a flying city, to put it um, simply. Uh, there's more to it than that. There's political background going on and, you know, their own issues that they're dealing with because, you know, growing up that sort of thing but um essentially that's it but they end up finding some things some ancient technology that helps them save the city to a point but it's part it's the first in a trilogy so it's kind of an introduction to the story more than anything there's a lot more that'll happen in the next few books when i eventually write them one of the things i really love about it is your main character maya who is uh, a young girl who's very um she's inventive and she's really tough and uh, she's this very active, I think, um, even brave sort of character. And not that she's a superhero. You know, she's still a real person. Um, you definitely get that distinct sense of her personality and herself as she, as she moves through this world. And it, that, to me, makes it feel very believable and uh, okay. exciting. I don't know if I should admit I should I probably should admit this, but it's she's based on several of the students I used to teach who were similar ages, if not even a little younger. So I, I took a few of their personalities and meshed them together. But a lot of, a lot of people think that she acts a bit older than her age, but no, she she acts just like they did. 
what is the name of the book and how can people find it? Um, the name is Tempered. Um, it is under a pseudonym of mine named Matthew Wilder, and you can find it on Amazon or going to my website, cyram.org, C-Y-R-A-M.org. Perfect. Thank you. Appreciate you, you mentioning that. Um, yeah, so before we get started on the movie proper, I thought we would do our, our segment here, Check Honored or Check Bounce. All right. And again, I thought we could do a person. This is a person I know virtually nothing about, um, so my decision will be very arbitrary. But it's St. Angela of Bohemia. She was a Czech saint. Literally all I could find out about her is that she was born, she was a hermit, and then she died. So Czech honored or Czech bounce. <laughs> you don't really sell it very much. It's going to be more than that. But I mean, if, if that's all she did, I, I don't know. That's that's pretty bounced. I hope she had more fun than that. <laughs> you know, there's got to be some yeah. reason she's a saint. Yeah, she must have done something. Um, unless, unless, no, I, I, I can't, I can't think of it. I, you know, uh, unless, to become a saint, like I guess a, you have to do something notable. So maybe, maybe, maybe more honored than bounced, but maybe I have no was, idea. Her personality was so awful that selflessly, she took herself away, and people really respected the fact that she did that. Maybe. So in that case, I'd say she's check honored, but we'll never. Yeah. Um, all right, so Closely Watched Train. So this is a 1966 black and white film. Um, there's an opening monologue by our protagonist, Milos. He's a young man who is about to start work as a railroad dispatcher. He's dressed in an impressive uniform. You can tell he's kind of proud of it. His mother is fawning over him. <clears throat> and he tells about his grandparents. Uh, and his father. So his father retired at what, like 48, I think, 46? Yeah, it was in his 40s, yeah. And there's yeah, a picture pretty... of him just reclining in his chair doing <laughs> nothing. <laughs> yeah. Um, he had one grandfather who would, I think, also retired early and would go down and sort of lord it over the poor slobs who still had to earn a living. Yeah, and, and he'd make fun of them. And, yeah. Yeah. And eventually they beat him to death. <laughs> yep. <laughs> And uh, his other grandfather was a hypnotist, or maybe a charlatan. Um, in an act of would-be heroism, he, he stands down these invading German tanks, trying to stop them with the power of his mind. And, of course, the tanks win. Um, I, I don't know about you, and I maybe I, – I don't know of another – maybe some of Orson Welles film that opens like this where there's a monologue and then there are cuts to images, um, close-ups of images. It almost reminds me a little bit of Wes Anderson. I don't know if you thought the same thing. Uh, yes. Yeah, I can see that connection. I didn't think it at the time, but uh, you know, now that you mention it, definitely. Yeah, it's sort of, it's sort of fast-paced and fun and funny. And uh, you get the sense, or at least I think this was going to be a fairly you know, bright, fun kind of film. Um, So what do you make of that? Why, why did they start with this family history? Um, I think it's to try and give him more character. But it, it, and on one hand, you could have, like, is he going to end up like them? Like, he's going to try, he's just not going to do a whole lot. And there's an element of that. He, He's very, like, you can tell right from the get-go, he's not very motivated. He's not very articulate. He kind of just, 
I, I don't know. There's not much to his personality. He seems so wa- tightly wound that he doesn't seem to be able to do much. And so is he going to end up like his parents and grandparents or is he going to rise above it? And you can kind of almost see that pressure, like, I think. Yeah, that's, that's so I think that's why I do it, to kind of establish that. Yeah, you make a great point that um, although his grandparents in some ways seem to there seemed to be some force of character there or some just uniqueness maybe. Whereas you're right. He seems so almost passive at times or, you know, quiet and awkward and unsure. Um, well, so our guy, so I, our guy uh, starts to work. He's shown the ropes by, and I'll mispronounce everything in here, um, but by someone named Kubica, who is apparently his superior or at least more tenured, there aren't a lot of um, things to do necessarily. Keep the gate closed unless it needs to be open, for instance. Yeah. And there, there are some great shots of trains. What did you think of the, the setting? Is this a good cinematic setting? Yeah, I think it's very it's it's a very good setting for especially for the film because like it kind of matches his personality as a character. It's kind of like a laid back and kind of you know, but there is some tensions there. Um, and they do focus on the clock a lot. It, like, oh, it's a lovely sound. And, and um, you know, there's certain things that happen there that the, uh, the director um, focuses on, make sure you're aware of the different things that are going around or around the station. So I yeah. think it's ideal. Yeah, I think so too. And I think it's, it's um, yeah, you, you, I think it's also just a, a really nice looking, you know, it's got some character to the visuals. Um, almost all the films set in the, the, the station or or the trains with some, some exceptions. Um, <clears throat> so a, a young woman who worked on the train, Masa, says he's looking good. They know each other from before, it seems. She hangs off the train and bends over, bends over, bends down to kiss him, but the watching supervisor blows his whistle when the train takes her away just before they can kiss. I was, that was kind of a cute visual. Yeah, yeah, because he's he's so waiting for. It. He's not taking any action himself. It's like he's waiting for it, and then it just it's gone. <laughs> yeah, and he doesn't realize. <laughs> that's a great point. Like there was definitely, it's not as if he was pursuing her. Although you you, you felt that he was interested. It's oh yeah, he I, wants to, but he's too tightly wound to be able to do that. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um. So a countess arrives on a horse. She's very imposing. She tells of her church needing to be reconsecrated. There was fornication behind the altar. This is no good. <laughs> um, Kubica tells of a dream he had. He tells this to, to Milos. He says, I was a handcart, and the countess wheeled me around into a storeroom, which uh, I don't know what to make of that necessarily. No, <laughs> it's, it's odd, but you know, it, it fits the character. He's a bit odd, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> and he he presses Milos about Masa, the girl, but we don't see yeah. the answer. Um, there's a scene where a woman kills a rabbit, and before it dies, it screams, and it was it was interesting, and I'm sure it was deliberate, but for me, it was really hard to listen to. Yeah, yeah, that was a that was an unusual scene. I'm not sure they had it in there, um, but it, it was 
it kind of almost brings you back a little bit, you know? I mean, the whole point of the movie is there's this calm train station where this self-absorbed teenage boy, I think he's a teenager, um, they're trying to do their own thing, but around them there are things happening that are a bit more gruesome. So you have the rabbit dying, you know, obviously this takes place in World War II, and every now and then there's a mention of a map or a battle going on, and but they're kind of isolated there. So I think... It, I think it serves kind of to bring you back to reality a little bit, but um, yeah, it was kind of hard to watch a little bit. I totally agree. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right because it the movie at times can be this this fun, almost jaunty comedy um, about coming of age, but then you remember, oh wait a second, this is coming of age during World War Two, like you say. Um, so yeah, I think you're right. I think I think totally it's it sort of I think it's meant to be a little bit of a shock and like you say, bring you back to, to what's going on. Um, there's a, a station master who's getting his uniform tailored. Milos comes in to ask about the countess. The station master says, hey, call her Madam Countess, polish your shoes, and don't ever talk to anybody on the platform. Someday you may be a, bit, a dispatcher. Um, a, a man goes over war plans with the employees of the station when he's not leering at a young woman. He says, the Fuhrer means everyone well, including the Czechs. And we must pay special attention to closely watched trains. That, I didn't quite get what that means, and I know, of course, that's in the title. And the phrase comes back again. I'm at a bit of a loss to explain what he means by closely watched trains, I guess. Yeah, I, I, I sense there was more of a reference there that I, I, I meant to look up before before this, but I I, I imagine closely watched trains would may, maybe be trains that are watched because of the military or something, but that's just a guess. But, yeah. um, you know, I don't know. Yeah. No, same here. Um, so there's this triumphant music that plays as, as the this visiting official is driven backwards on a train track. Um, a man flirts with a girl. He says, what lovely ears you have, <laughs> which, you know, <laughs> better line. Uh, a pair of button earrings would look perfect on them. And she says, really, maybe you could arrange that for me. He tells her a story about a guy smuggling udders in his pants. Um, the guy gets onto a train. A woman says, hey, something's sticking out of your pants. He takes a knife and cuts it off. That's all right, he says. I've got three more. And Rebecca comes and tells another version, which ends, Jesus Christ, that was the real one. Um, so the first guy plies her with liquor. And Milos asks for help with women from Quebecca. He says, have you always been so smooth with the ladies? Masa stops by to see Milos. And again, she could not be trying harder to get him to kiss her. But at the last moment, a sound makes him turn away, and she gets annoyed and leaves. Leaves. I I found her, the actress, really adorable and really lively, and she felt like a real person to me. Yeah, she did. Um, yeah, you could see her frustration at at, at times, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's it's a thing because like like looking on Wikipedia, I, I I was trying to see if she was anything else, but. There's nothing. So I wonder if this was her one film. 
know, it seems like it'd be surprising because I, I think it's a pretty well-loved Czech film and it was pretty, pretty big from what I understand. Um, but you, yeah, same here. So you were, you were young when this came, when you first watched this, right? And, um, or relatively young, and I was too. Well, yeah, I was about 23, I'm going to guess, something like that. Okay, yeah, I was probably about the same, actually. Um, but I definitely remember identifying to some extent with Milos and how awkward he was around around girls. Was that true for you, too, or was that just me? <laughs> <laughs> no, totally me. I I, I was, I, I, you know, I could I can sense that whole tightly wound, like not sure how to act kind of thing. You know, I could totally relate to that. Yeah. Yep. Good. Okay. Good. <laughs> Just me. Um, <laughs> yeah. And you can, you can watch it now and um, for reasons we'll go into later, it, it's tough because you, you get the sense that, that he could overcome this um, over time. He would probably become somewhat less shy and awkward yeah but we'll talk about what yeah i agree he does develop throughout the film slowly it's a slow process but he does yeah you think you think given time yeah yeah but i'm sure it was a slow process for me too (laughs) (laughs) yeah same here um yeah so we're you and i are both fathers now we're sort of famously debonair right but it's good to look back and realize that people can come out of their cells. Yeah. Um, and I remember, I remember thinking, you know, this is never articulated, but you almost get the sense that he is shocked and maybe a little even scared about the fact that she's interested in him. And he's, he's maybe even wondering how could someone possibly be interested in me? Yeah. Or, that's or what I got. That's what I got too. Yeah. Yeah. And it's that, that doubt, like, why, what's going on? Is He's just so taken aback by it that he doesn't know how to react. Yeah. Right, which I can certainly relate to. Yep. <laughs> I remember Christopher Hitchens once said, most men are fantastically unattractive, which I thought was a good line. <laughs> so true. Um, so it's the next morning now. The station master comes in. Hey, fun and games are fine, but duty first. Um, Kubica asked Milos, how his girl is? Nice, he says, not for the first time. How is she in bed? Well, Milos doesn't know. He shrugs. <laughs> and then there's a nice scene where they're outside in front of the train, and Milos sort of talks to Kubica as the train passes by. You can't hear what they say, but you get the feeling Milos is saying, I've never slept with a woman. Um. And if that's the case, I thought that was a really nice bit of filmmaking, the fact that you have no idea, you know, you don't really know the words. But you can kind of... Yeah, because it's not... As a casual observer, it's not something you'd overhear necessarily. So it's it's something that'd be private, but you still get the sense of what he was asking. They do it several times throughout the film where he says something, and you know what he's saying, even though you don't hear it. But, you know, it's always a private thing. Yeah, which is kind of great writing and filmmaking, right? If you can... If I can under if I can know what's going to be said even though I don't hear it, that's yeah. kind of impressive. Um, so men are hanging out talking trash about Germans and how they treat their animals. Um, Milos goes out to stare at a train filled with nurses. <laughs> was, it, was this creepy or was this charming or funny? I don't know. On one hand, I can kind of see 
um, I mean, the context. Like, you know, a bunch of soldiers are walking down the train track and they just kind of climb inside with the nurses. And um, at one hand, I think, oh, gosh, you know, it's like you have a different perspective now. Like, OK, that may not have been as mutual in historical context, but <laughs> if you know what I mean. Sure. Yeah. But you don't know. I mean, the, the movie throughout doesn't ever go that way. It's always everything seems to be very mutual. Um, there are certain scenes that are kind of, you know, they get into that quite a bit. And but it's always you can always very obviously tell that both sides are consenting. It, it may it almost makes a, it almost overdoes it a little bit just to make it clear. I think. So yeah. I, I think I think it was funny for that regard only. But, you know, I could, I you know I can see the history behind that that it might not have always been that way. So I kind of was a bit like. Ugh. But that's my take. I think you're exactly right. Yeah, it's played as a sort of like fun sex comedy, but but in reality, it was probably more complicated than that. Um, And there are probably some pretty upset or even traumatized women. Although there there are probably some women who are perfectly happy too. Um, But yeah, so he's he's sort of he's sort of watching them awkwardly. And you, you're right, soldiers come up, and they stop to stare at the nurses. And I, I love the seriousness in their eyes. Um, these almost, you, yeah. you know, the unblinking, staring at these women, and uh, even though one <laughs> of them is smiling. And I was reminded, I, I wish I could find the passage, but Michael Shabon talked about um, or wrote about, in some piece of fiction, men playing pool and the almost pained expression on their faces as this beautiful woman bent over to, you know, hit, hit the pool ball. Um, <laughs> it is kind of funny, but yeah, he, so they, they go on uh, with Milos witnesses, some sort of carnal action taking place and an annoyed nurse pulled back the curtain, but he's clearly not welcome there. Right. Right. Yeah. And he, he kind of slinks out in defeat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, his, his, Young lady, Masa stops by. She says, come by when you're done. Sleep over. And then we cut to Milos watching a cameraman who's um, Masa's uncle. He's taking pictures of couples and girls on a fake plane. And he's kind of a, a lecherous guy. Like he has wandering hands, but the girls... Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's a bit more than that. There's one, one time when he has all the women lined up in a row and his hand goes across all of them in a... In a... <laughs> You know, it's like, yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that's a fair point. God. Yeah. That, it is, yeah. Street is mostly for laughs, but I, yeah, I don't think you could make that scene today. Um, I kept sort of waiting for one of the girls to sock him in the face, but that never happened. I think a few times they, they did kind of slap him, but yeah. Yeah. Slap his hand away. Yeah. And then Milos and Masa are kissing in a supply area. Um, Milo spends the night in bed with her. The door is open. He says, your uncle can hear everything. So what? He says, which is really bizarre. Um, and I feel bad for, for Milo because the uncle's like making noises out there. It would be incredibly awkward. Um, yeah. So he's young. His passion is spent too easily. And that's my genteel euphemism for premature ejaculation. 
what I love is that she, you know, she just gets annoyed and gets out of bed and leaves. <laughs> there's no, like, you know, there's no, oh, sorry that happened. Don't worry about it. It's no big thing. She just storms off because she's so upset. Yeah. Um, the next morning, you see him renting a hotel room for an hour from a woman. Um, but he's by himself. And she says, you don't have a girl? Nope. You want one? No. So you see him undressed and bathed. And watching him, you feel, or at least I felt this real affection for him. He's so young. He's so unsure of himself. And I had seen this years ago, as mentioned, but I hadn't remembered what happened next. Um, he places razors at the edge of the bed and takes off his hat. And Again, it might be just subconsciously remembering what happened, but to me, the scene was slow enough to get kind of worrisome. There's, there was dread, at least for me. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't remember how it went either. Yeah. And then, but speaking of the ha- speaking of the hat, there's a symbolism in the hat because at the very beginning of the film, it's almost placed upon his head like a crown. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that scene. And he yeah. doesn't remove that hat even in, when he's in in the bed scene earlier. He's still on his head. So right. <laughs> the fact that he's removing it in this scene is almost a symbolism that he's giving up. So, yeah, um, but yeah, yeah, I couldn't remember where this was going. And it was like you say, just slow enough. You could almost see him thinking about, do I do this or not? So it was really well done. Really well done. And soon he slices his wrists open and blood starts to pool on the little table next to the bath. And one of the things about this is amazing to me is, Throughout this, there's a worker pounding away at a wall outside. And it's partly a plot device, right, because the worker breaks through the wall on accident and sees what's happening and saves him. But it's also really poignant that this young man is in the depths of despair while the everyday work is going on around him. The world is still going on. Yeah. Yeah, so what do you, what do you make of this scene? Uh, I thought it was quite powerful. I mean, just because, you know, like he is, like I say, very self-absorbed and like the world is going around the war. There's, there's things talked about soldiers are going by, you know, it's just, you can see there's so many, like to some people watching this, you think, oh my God, he's worrying about that when there's so many more important things going on, but to him, it's everything. And the fact that he couldn't, do anything related to what he really wants to do most in life, obviously. Um, it just was shattering to him. And there was no reason to to go on. And so I, I guess I can see his despair, but he needs he needs something to pull him out of it. Yeah. But he wasn't finding it. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, um, I have a a brother of a relative killed himself at about the same age and with him too I think it was over a girl and and with him too I I almost had the sense that this was like a storm that overtook him and that if he had somehow weathered the storm he would have been okay in a month like it was just this overwhelming overwhelming interesting interesting you say it like that you know because i mean i mean i've suffered through depression in various points in my life and it is like you say a storm and you just in the midst of it you don't see the end of it and it's not until you weather it and get through it and it you know for me it took years 
you know, that once you get through it, then you realize, oh, you know, it does get better. But in the middle of it, you know, it doesn't seem like that. Yeah, you wish you could say to this guy, this is not going to matter to you in a year, you know. Um, unfortunately, he, he does wake up in the hospital. He, his wrists are bandaged. Um, he sighs. And yeah, it's a disappointing sigh, like, oh, no, you know, they <laughs> saved me, <laughs> you know? Yeah. This comedian uh, had this had this great line. He was talking about how when he was young, he's like, boy, I hope I live a long time. I hope that, I, that my life is full of stories and I've got all these great stories at the end of my life. And he said, now I'm 42 and I'm like, cool, I'm almost done. <laughs> Like, all right. Um, anyway, so we, we see Kubica at work. He's bored. He's chasing around a beautiful young telegraphist. Um, for a moment, I wondered, are all Czech girls beautiful, or is it just the one they like <laughs> in movies? <laughs> it's probably just the one who gets to get into the movies. Um, anyway, she's, like you say, she's consenting. She's loving it. And there's this great scene where he stamps her so he takes the station stamp or multiple station stamps and stamps her legs and her butt with the stamp yeah and this is very important actually for the film <laughs> <laughs> not, 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 not something you can say about most films out there <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um so meanwhile the doctor who i guess is played by the director of the film the doctor tells milos hey you're overly sensitive maybe you're too healthy when a young man is too healthy, he can suffer premature ejaculation. Who knew? <laughs> you can tell he's trying to be diplomatic about it. Like, he doesn't want to <laughs> go into it. So he's trying to think awkwardly, come up with some explanation that might make him feel better. And it's, he's, he's kind of half doing it. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of um, Yeah, and it does work because for the rest of the film, like, uh, Milo is, is volunteers this information <laughs> that he's given by the doctor to everyone. It's kind of funny. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> With, right, probably most of us would not go around saying to everybody. Hey, no, <laughs> but he does. <laughs> um, so the the girl, the telegraph girl, her mother brings her into the station and shows the station master her butt. It gets a close inspection. <laughs> um, there's a trial. The girl's proud before the judges. Well, it's not a trial per se. The woman takes her. They interrupt the trial. They interrupt the trial about some geese that was killed or something. Um, yeah. And all the judges gravely inspect her. They come closer from behind the bench to make sure <laughs> what they're seeing. Yeah. I like the the kindly old judge who says, "I suppose this is some new party game, right, Miss?" Um. Yeah, he just doesn't seem taken aback by it at all. He's like, "Oh, all right, you know." <laughs> Seen that? Seen stuff like this before? Yeah, you know how kids are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the, the guy in trial that killed the geese, though, however, he's like inverting his eyes all the time. It's funny. <laughs> um, so the mother demands jail, and they say, "Hey, that's not for us to decide. You can make a complaint to the railroad commission." And she does. Um, Milos is back to work. He says the doctor recommended he find an older woman to teach the ways of love. One guy says, "Whoa, you're not you're not talking to my wife," um, which I thought was kind of funny. Yeah, Milos asks Kubica if he has a sister. Milos, come on. He asks the police for 
the priest says, come to the church, we can solve any problem. Hey, we've been, the church has been in psychoanalysis for 600 years. I'll find a girl and tell her she's doing a good thing. Um, we see an artist, and we learn that the previous night, some Czech partisans blew up a train. Tomorrow, there'll be an ammunition train coming through, and Kubica is given a bomb. Um, we hear that the Germans are coming. Station employees scatter, but not Milos. There's this really affecting shot of a body on the back of the train, and German officers take Milos on board by gunpoint. Yeah, he's stunned into an action, and they just pull him in. Yeah, yeah, you're, that's a great point. He, yeah, he's not normally very active. He's usually pretty passive. Yeah, yeah. Everyone else is running away, and he just kind of stands there when he sees the body. He's like, "Oh my god." Yeah, and so see, he watches the world go by as inappropriately happy music plays. <laughs> um, <I don't> know, <laughs> yeah, that seems like a really weird choice to me. It did, but in a way, it's like him being forced back into reality again, isn't it? It's, yeah. So I, I don't know. Um, it was a weird choice of music. And there's really little dialogue here. Like, I almost thought, like, the soldier saying, you need to do this, and and uh. But then they, they see kind of, like, the scars on his, his arm, his wrist, and they, they're like, oh, well, he's going to be useless, isn't he? So they, they kick him off the train, yeah. you know, a, a while later. Um, but yeah. it's, it's interesting. They stopped the train to let him off. It, that was really interesting. And it, it made me wonder what they would have done with him otherwise if they hadn't seen those cars. Yeah, I imagine it was because they, you know, they're, the lines are moving and they probably needed more men. And then, oh, here's this young man. We'll just put, put, force him to t- put a gun on and put him in the front, you know, to, to take some bullets for us. I suspected I think, that's I, what was going on. I think you solved it. I think you're absolutely right. Um. So Milos, back at the station, sees Kubica, who tells him about the freight train coming through the next day, letting him know that they're going to blow it up. 28 cars loaded with ammunition. They imagine the chaos and smile. Um, Masa arrives. She embraces him and tells him she's not mad anymore about his premature ejaculation. Everyone knows. (laughs) (laughs) She's forgiven him. Um, and again, I think she's great. I like her a lot. Uh, so he's got yeah. this adorable girl. He's got the chance to plot an attack on the Nazis. Everything is going well in, in his world, except the one issue. I don't know. Yeah. You tell me, I don't know if I've ever heard the phrase premature ejaculation more than I did in the movie itself. <laughs> you know, you might be right. It's usually innuendo and people not wanting to talk about it. But it's just so open here. It's almost refreshing in that regard, even though it's you know, it's an uncomfort, uncomfortable, awkward situation, really. It's, it's yeah. like, he's just like, oh, it's this, you know, and he's just so relieved to have a, there's a word for it, you know. <laughs> it's funny. I kind of, I can kind of relate to that in the sense that um, I, at one point I developed uh, panic attacks, had some panic attacks and didn't know what they were and had heard the word panic attack, but didn't know what it meant. Yeah. Um, and thought I was going crazy, and learning mm. that learning that there was a name did kind of help it a little bit. It weirdly does, you know. I, I yeah, 
I, I know what you mean. Like, for instance, like growing up in my childhood, I always was told I had certain things, but only recently did I come to realize that there was a term for it, dyspraxia. Um, so that's in knowing it and looking it up and like, oh, that's why I do that sort of thing. And that's why I struggle putting words into thought, their thoughts into words, that sort of thing. So it's like, you know, it is, when you have a name, it can kind of, it makes you feel like, oh, it's the thing that, that lots of people have that you can do this and fix. Yeah, it gives you tools. Exactly. So exactly. it's understandable. Um, it's interesting that you that you mentioned that because you're somebody who not only have been a, a good guest on podcasts to put things in a word well, but also have published a book. So um, while I believe you that you're you're that's something that you had to deal with, you're dealing with it pretty well. <laughs> it takes a lot of work. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Um, it's almost good that it takes a lot of work because I'm, I'm used to having to overdo things to get anything done. Like the book I had to rewrite 14 times over various years, but you know, it, it's, you know, and I, I have, I can't tell you how many, like to give an example. It's a, I think a 40,000 word book. Yeah. I must've written 260,000 words at least. Oh my gosh. And there's all sorts of side stories I have on that. And it, it's kind of useful, but I, I, in order to write the book, I had to do, all those extra things to be trying to put it all together. Well, I think so. those are the people who make it. You know, Dave Chang's one of my heroes, the chef Dave Chang, and he said he truly feels like he has less talent than anyone he knows. It's just that he works more at it. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I can, I can, uh, I can understand that. I feel that way too. The poor Milo. So he talks to one of the employees' wives, which is no help. Um, oh yeah, that was that was an awkward scene. <laughs> She just kind of stares at him like, what are you going on about? Yeah, yeah. She's like, I don't know what you mean. He's like, you know what I mean. Come on. Um, Kubica introduces him to an older woman named Victoria. Uh, she's lovely. She's part of the resistance. And she's willing to help. She's the one that delivers him. the bomb, isn't he? Yeah. Yes. Yep. I should mention that. And yeah, she's, she's willing to help a young man overcome this difficulty. Um, so she starts to undress. Milos, <laughs> Milos leaves the room saying, oh, sorry, I'm on duty. I'll go ask permission. And Kubica <laughs> practically knocks him back into the room. <laughs> yep. <that> <laughs> uh, so she tells him to sit down. He does, and then church bells start to ring. And uh, he's talking about soccer. She covers his mouth and says, hey, turn off the light. She's kind. The reason, the, the reason he's talking about that is because that was the doctor's advice. So he know he knows what the situation he's in, and he's yeah. reverting to his like sort of, you know, think of think of something else. Yeah, yeah. Um. So is is she doing this because she's just kind, or is she doing this because she knows he's part of the resistance and he wants she wants to support him because of that? I honestly don't know. I I, I weirdly thought that she was like taking pity on him. <laughs> She's like almost like oh that sounds like 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 I don't know just because through the whole process she's very willing she's like oh yeah I'll take care of that you know that sort of thing right. like, it, it's almost a distraction for her because I imagine you know she's probably running around doing all sorts of like very stressful things herself so like I don't know um, I don't know exactly what her motives are but I don't think they're malicious or anything I think it's just genuinely it's a the whole movie kind of has this sort of feel good like like nothing's done for bad reasons necessarily just people having fun and just being people yeah so i think you're right um 
So whatever her motive, so the next time we see him outside, he's whistling. He's, he's smiling. He's feeling pretty good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I almost thought it was the uh, – uh, what was the other guy? The, uh, uh, I almost thought it was – he had the same resonance as Hubrika. Um, yeah. yeah, and I think that was intentional. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he's told the train will be there in seven minutes, and there's a disciplinary hearing about the stamped girl. <laughs> um, yeah. Masa arrives, and, and Milos walks yeah. – uh, he says hi to her. He walks by carrying the bomb. And it's this weird juxtaposition because it's this very comical disciplinary scene. Um, yeah. Cut with Milos waiting for the train to, to arrive, the train that they're going to bomb. <laughs> yeah, Jitka, the girl that was stamped, um, she's just defining this whole process just hilarious. And you could just tell she's really yeah. playing up because you know she's making people <laughs> uncomfortable and she just finds it hilarious. I, I, like, I like how she, the character handles it. She just makes me laugh. I do, I do too. I also love this verdict, which is, uh, you know, okay, because force wasn't used on her, it's not an infringement of personal freedom, but it is defamation and denigration of the German language. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because the stamp was presumably in German. Um, it was in German, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so you're cutting something really funny with something really tense, where Milos on his platform above the tracks, he drops the bomb, and it lands on the roof of the car. And yeah. Milos is shot. He his body lands on the train. Oh yeah, yeah. The reason is because he was hidden pretty well, and they wouldn't have noticed him. But when he dropped the bomb, he was so overcome with like, "Yes, I did it!" that he almost he stood up. And one yeah. of the soldiers saw him and shot him. So it's like, <laughs> oh. it's like, oh, you know, it's it's, it's it's much more powerful just because the humorous things that were going on around him, like it just he became absorbed in the sort of resistance for a minute while life continued around him sort of thing. So, you know, it's kind of tragic, but yeah, that's, that's a really good lesson. I think, um, you know, again, to, 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 uh, mention Wes Anderson and I, I may be getting this wrong because I always saw the movie once some time ago, but the Darjeeling unlimited, um, where are they? Are they at, Owen Wilson and some characters are in maybe India on a pilgrimage. Yeah. And they see these kids, these, uh, these kids, these Indian kids on a raft maybe. And it's this peaceful, poetic scene, the shot of these kids. And Owen Wilson says, look at those assholes, which makes me laugh. But then right after he says that and I'm laughing, the kids die. Um, and that, that made it more powerful to me than if, it had just been a poetic scene and then the kids died somehow. You there's there could be benefits of intermingling humor and tragedy, I guess. Yeah. I mean in in this instance it's almost like he is just starting to come out of his shell and you think just give him time and he'd be able to join in the, the fun that's going around around him, but he doesn't get that chance. That that almost makes the, the tragicness that much more powerful in my mind, just because yeah. you know you know, Mass is there too, and she sees this thing unfold from the side of the station. She doesn't really understand what's happened until she catches his hat in the wind. Okay. But like, yeah, but it's, you know, that's what makes it much more powerful is that he had this whole life that he was just starting to get a little bit of control over, and it's ended prematurely. So prematurely again, yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's a common theme in this film. <laughs> Well, actually, it kind of, it, you know, it's definitely a premature thing in the sense that 
you mentioned. Yeah, I think um, you're right because you're you're kind of rooting for this guy through the whole thing, and you've seen him have some pretty serious downs, but then begin to rise above it and have some triumphs, and then his life is just cut short. Um, so there are tolling bells, and then there's black smoke, this slowly growing cloud of black smoke, and then it cuts to the end. What did you think overall? Overall, I really liked the film, and I, 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 I'm glad it lived up to my memory of it when I last watched it years ago. Um, it, I also kind of, I know he's made a lot more films since then, the director, um, Menzel. Um, but I haven't seen any of them, and I should. But I do know that just a couple years later, um, due to the takeover of Czechoslovakia, that sort of thing, he was um, banned. He had to renounce any association with the Czech New Wave films. He had to, yeah. his, his film, like his next film was, oh, not, not his next film, but one of his next films, Larks on a String, which also seems very interesting. I really need to watch that. Um, it was banned until 1990. They didn't want to show it. And of all the Czech New Wave directors that I know of, that he's the one that remained in Czechoslovakia, the rest fled. So I, I really do feel like I need to watch some of his other films after this. Same and I, here. I, re, I, I regret that I haven't. I have, I have not myself. And yeah, the whole history of the Czech New Wave and the the banning by the Soviets of these films is so bizarre and interesting. And, um, and it's just one piece of life under under the Soviet Union, but you know, I guess I'm grateful to these movies in the sense that it it's made me a little bit more aware than I was of of some of that history. Yeah, no, definitely. But but overall, I think it's really well made. Um, I think the comedy translates really well. It's it's yeah. still funny today and in English. Um, yes, or in subtitles, and uh, <laughs> I think it's. I think it's pretty powerful. I, I would say probably four and a half caps out of five. Oh, okay. Um, I would I would say five out of five, but there's a few sayings that are dated. Like I, I think about, you know, the um, what am I trying to say? Like the scene with the nurses and that sort of thing. I think mm, you know, that just holds it that much back, and I just. It could have done without that, but I, I guess I can understand. So I, I think I'll stick with I'll, – I'll, I'll agree with you, four and a half out of five. Yeah, no, you do bring up an important point, though, that the, that the treatment of women is, if nothing else, is kind of unrealistic, right? It's not a... – Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the only thing that holds it back for, the, for me for this film. Otherwise, I would have gladly said five out of five because it does yeah. everything, I think, very well. All right. Well, this has been this has been check yourself. We are swiftly coming to the end. Um, I think this is episode ten out of twelve. So just two more films remain, and I've started to think about what what happens next. Um, I would like to. I think I would like to do a film or a podcast series on French films because there are so many great ones. Yeah, do it. All right. If I do, would you be interested in it? Are there any films in particular you do want to have covered or be part of? God, there's so many. Like, 
Passion Joan Arc. Is that is that French? Like it I, know, is. I know it takes place in France, but I, I, I'm trying to remember. <laughs> there's so I, many. I, I, it's hard to keep track. But um, yeah. yeah, there's loads I would love to do. Perfect. That'd be great. All right. Well, thank you to Matthew. Again, you can find information about his book on cyram.org, C-Y-R-A-M.org. And happy 4th of July, which is the day that this is being recorded. Um, perfect too. day to talk about Czech films with uh, <laughs> someone who left America for England. <laughs> Sounds good to me. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. And check yourself before you wreck yourself. Check yourself.